You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. Do you feel betrayed by life, your body, or by someone that you love? You are not alone and you are not weak or overly emotional for feeling the way that you do. Betrayal is one of the most overwhelmingly painful experiences to navigate because it strikes at the core of who you are and what you are worth. No matter how gutted you feel, there is hope. You can flourish, not in spite of your experience, but because of it, I know. After 23 years of marriage, my world was shattered when I found out that my husband had been cheating on me with five different women for 15 years. I lost everything that day, my identity, my worth, and the future I had worked so hard to create. While it was a long and arduous journey back to myself, today I know who I am what I want, and I am happier and more confident than I ever was before. I've got what I call naked self-worth, which is the ability to see, know, and love yourself for who you are, not for what you accomplish or for who you are in relation to others. No matter what has shattered your heart, if you're ready to get clear on who you are, what you want, and to learn how good life really can be, then life choreography is for you. Even if you feel too old or are too busy because you have kids at home and you're in charge of everything. Life choreography is a comprehensive five-month, five-step program that empowers you to strip out of your labels, roles, and scripts and to reveal yourself as you are, not as you think you should be. To learn more, go to nakedselfworth.com and download your free guide that shows you how to untangle yourself from the past, reclaim your sexy, and start re-choreographing life on your own terms so you can love and be loved for exactly who you most authentically are. Hello and welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. This show is going to be a very meaningful show to a lot of you listeners. And I kind of wanted to preface this episode with that because so many of us face struggles throughout our life. So many of us feel betrayed by things that happen to us, by situations, by life. And sometimes the people that I've worked with will say things like, well, nothing's really wrong, so I shouldn't be sad, or nothing that bad has happened to me, so I shouldn't feel this way. And this is one of those shows where, although we're going to go into a whole lot of objectively really stressful and bad things. It's also permission. 
It's permission to allow you to feel however you feel, whether that thing that happens to you, whether you're betrayed by life, whether you're betrayed by your body or by somebody you love, whether it's like this objective thing where everybody in the world would say, oh my gosh, that's horrible. I can't believe you went through it. Or whether it's something that is just a betrayal to you, whether you feel betrayed by yourself or your life. This show is one that's going to give you permission to feel however it is you feel and permission to rise, permission to flourish, permission to create the kind of life that you desire. Today's guest is Michelle Morass, and she has got an incredible story. With that, let's just bring her on and let's start talking about all things amazing, all things that bring you down and how to fight your way right back to the top. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Let's just start from the beginning because you have a pretty incredible story. So let's just kind of start from the beginning and tell the listeners a little bit about you growing up and then having to leave home and we'll just take it from there. Oh my. Well, I'm a military brat. I grew up in the Philippines. I was actually born in New Jersey, but moved there when I was like six months old. So I grew up in the Philippines. Um, Parents didn't get along so well. My father's from Louisiana, my mom's from the Philippines. So there was a culture clash there. But you know, you get married, you stay married, and they just kind of stayed that way and raised six kids. Yeah, six kids in an unhappy marriage. Never did quite understand that, but that's how it was. Um, we moved to the United States, and at the age of 16, well, almost turning 17, I'm turning 17 that October, I started college. And I went out with a friend named Robin. And I told my mom, I'm going to Robin's house. I'm going to spend the night there. Well, when I went to church the next day, my mother said, your father kicked you out because you're a whore. What? Why am I a whore? Well, you were out with a boy named Robin. I said, mom, you met her. You met her. She said, well, you know how your father is. So at 16, I was kicked out of my house. And um, I can't sign any documents. I can't do anything. And so that's really what started my, oh, why does the world hate me spiral? Now, the benefit of all of, all of this is I survived. I had four jobs. I, I, I was working my butt off. I was an engineering student at University of Nebraska. I did well for myself. I kept myself over water. And then when I was about, it was my senior year of engineering. In one of my jobs, I met a boy. And um, he was new and they invited him to my house for a little get together. And that's where all broke loose because that guy raped me. And then he kept me, he kept me for nine months, at least nine months. And so I felt, you know, this whole betrayal of life. I thought life betrayed me. And then as these things happened and I, I, you know, I moved on, I got rid of him, I got married, I had children travel the world. You know, and then I have a, in 2014, I was in a car accident. So I lost four areas of my brain. And what's really strange about that is I lost four areas of my brain. It stopped me from walking and talking, but in my head, I was fully cognizant. And all I could do was, why me? Why do you hate me so much? And so it went from the universe hating me to specifically God hates me. Because I was tallying up everything that went wrong in my life and went, what do you want from me? You know? And so I got really upset and really angry. And 
you know, and then six months later, I found out I had breast cancer and given three months to live. And so it's like, boom, 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 boom. And then I realized it was my choice on what I'm willing to take. And I stood up and said, okay, well, here it is. This is me. This is everything, all of my scars and all these scars are, are just going to make me stronger. And so I, I came out of it. And now I say, you know, my mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style, to quote my Angelo, and that I live unapologetically. Because if I can get hit down this many times and get back up each time, there's a purpose and I will find it. And so here I am. I love that. And thank you for sharing. And thank you for sharing with that much spunk (laughs) as well, because there are a lot of people out there. There's a lot of listeners. There's a lot of people that we know that they get knocked down, they get knocked down, they get knocked down. And sometimes rightfully so people are like, I'm done. I am just done. I've had enough. And it's really challenging. Oh, it hurts. It really does. It really does. And sometimes it's easy to say, just get back up. You can do it. And you can have a purpose. It's like crawling. It's more like crawling up. It's right. Thank you for that. Because that's exactly what it is. It's not just like, oh, I was kicked out and I'm not of legal age. Oh, well, you know, no. and it's, it's not ignoring it. I was raped, but you know what? You get over it. Breast cancer. Oh, whatever. Car. It's deep. No, it's deep. It hurts. And it took a lot of a lot of me to pull out of it. I mean, I got suicidal. I mean, there's a lot of things that happened that I, I skimmed over, but it's all about life and realizing your strengths and what you what you're you're amazing at and the things you're not so good at. So the things I'm not so good at, I kind of pushed them aside and I went, okay, this pull I'm good at. And I grabbed a hold of that pushed the other things back and then pulled up with that one and said, okay, I've got this. What else do I got? What else do I have? Yeah. And that's really the magic of getting back up is finding the power in what you have already. That's beautiful because we all have something, something, <laughs> even if it's not much, we do all have something. And I also appreciate how you said, push the other stuff away because it is so easy to start focusing on the lack, to start focusing on I can't move my body. I can't sign documents. I don't have a degree at this point of my life. I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have this. Well, then you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. How, when did you first start realizing or start understanding this is how to do it? If that makes sense. Cause you were young the first time things really hit the fan. Oh, I was young the very, very, very first time. But in my college years, it was when I realized no one else was there to help me. Now, that sounds really bad, but I lived in an apartment. I managed to get an apartment underage and the people around my apartment complex would call the police on me for a loud TV. They'd call the police on me for my dog barking. They'd call the police if I walked too heavy, if I came home late from work, whatever. They were always calling the police on me. The night that I was screaming, help me, help me, I'm being raped. Help me, help me, help me, help me. Not one call. Not one. Oh. And so that was strike one. <laughs> then strike two, I crawled to the wall phone. You know, this is before cell phones. I'm in my 50s. So I crawled to the wall phone. And I called 911. And the policeman says, we don't have time for your BS. Click. So I called again. It's a dispatcher. Someone else might answer. 
Right. And the same man answers. He says, we don't have time for your he said, she said crap. Just because you're having a, a, a fight with your boyfriend. We don't have time for this. And I said, he's not my boyfriend. Please help me. And he says, do you have any evidence on you? And I went, I don't think so. Like, so I showered with an SOS pad and some Comet. Get that stench off of me. I, I was trying to get him off of me. And then I ended up, I went to work because I had four jobs at the time. Went to work, walked into my office building. I was two minutes late. And I walked up to my boss and I said, help me, something bad happened. And she says, I told them not to hire you stupid teenagers. What were you doing out there partying all night? I said, no ma'am, strike three. And then later on that day after work, um, it was between work and going back to class. Yeah. I went to see my mother. And my mother said, great, you'd be lucky any man, any man would love you that much. And so it was like, okay, no one's here to help me. And so I realized at that moment, the people I thought would help me didn't. And that if I didn't help me, I was gonna crash and fall. And I refused to crash and fall by that monster. And I, I know that's where my brain went. I refused to come down by him. And I, I think that's where I got my first. Yes. I better pull my butt up or I can wallow in all my misery, all I can. And all that's going to do is put me in a worse situation. So I rationalized it and got up and kept getting up in every day. You know, I'd scream and cry, but every day I got back up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't know how much longer I had to, but I did. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I can so relate to that. And it's my guess a lot of listeners out there can relate to that too. And that's one of the reasons that I love using the analogy of burlesque and stripping down. Because sometimes it seems like, oh, I've been taken of this. I've been robbed of this. I've been stripped of that. And until you're literally have it all taken away, you don't realize your own power. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I, that's why I connected with you after, um, I mean, was because that whole burlesque taking off. I, I use that analogy of I was one person and I thought that was me. But as I got older, I started pulling off these shells of BF that I'd been believing all my life. And now in my 50s, I finally found me because I stopped hiding behind who I thought I was supposed to be. It's the stripping of the layers. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so powerful. and. We're all, and it's, it's not like a judgment. We're all so afraid, but we are afraid because we've been built to believe that this is who we are and that we want to hold on to our identity. We want to hold on to our culture. We want to hold on to all of these things that are so precious to us, but it can cause so much pain. Mm -hmm. and yeah. And not even pain sometimes, just the, again, the inability to sparkle the inability to be all that you can be. Well, and that's what I, I mean, I always say, stop apologizing for what you're not. Yes. Own who you are. Be the best version of that every day. Oh, I'm not good enough. Well, then be better tomorrow. Yeah. But stop apologizing. I, I, I know that Well, a lot of my clients, my coaching clients, is that they, they hold on to this guilt of what they didn't do or what they thought they were supposed to do and they're not there yet, or I'm behind schedule. No, there is no schedule. It's yeah. you. There is no schedule. What do you want to do? Start it now. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I start it now and expect that something else is going to knock you down because expectations so often get in the way. I found my purpose. I know what I'm doing. It's going to be great. I was knocked down. It's not meant to be. Oh my gosh. What am I doing wrong? Nothing. No, if that was the case after my brain injury, what I, I lost memories. I lost my degrees. I mean, I, I'm not a numbers person anymore. I mean, so many things were taken away from me. But when I came out of it, I'm speaking. I started speaking. I did my TEDx. I'm traveling the world speaking. And then boom, you have cancer. You're going to die in three months. And it's like, part of me was like, wait a minute. Was I doing the wrong thing? No, I'm doing the right thing. I just need to adjust my sales a little bit. So I kept speaking, but then I adjusted what I was doing with my, with my cancer. Because what I realized is people were always... I'm one of them. My brain is amazing. My brain is amazing. But my body, ah, who cares about it? I'm 50. I can gain some weight. It doesn't matter. And I was blowing off my body. Ah. What the cancer did was remind me that my brain does not move without my body. My body must be healthy in order to travel and do what my brain needs to get done. And so my cancer was the catalyst to make me find me. If you go back and look at my old videos, I was 389 pounds in my TEDx and I was happy. I was beautiful and happy. I loved it. But my body said, Hey, I don't feel good. I don't like this anymore. Nope. So I had to take care of me. I had to get healthier. And what's funny is once I took care of my body, my brain got sharper. It helped my brain injury. So with my traumatic brain injury, the health part of my body helped fix my brain. They came together. People think we have a mind and a body. No, we are mind body. You yeah. cannot separate them as much as you want to. Uh, that's why I love, I love your analogy and I love burlesque. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'll get up. <laughs> no, it is so fun. And you're absolutely right. We're not a brain floating in a jar. We're a brain in a body. And it's, it, it's such a slippery slope because I'm a huge proponent of health. And I'm also a huge proponent of no body shame. And sometimes that's, that's a tough intersection, you know, because it doesn't matter how you look. It matters how you feel. Yes. Yeah. But because like I said, I was a big girl, but I was healthy yes. and I was happy. And it wasn't until the cancer came through and it was like, oh, okay. You want me to take care of this now? Yes. <laughs> I can be healthier. And when I'm healthier, I'll be happier. Yeah. And it was, it was beautiful. Cause no, I'm, I'm definitely not a body shaming person. No. And, and that's where I want people to realize I, with me, with my weight loss, it wasn't because I went out wanting it. Right. It was just this mindset of the things that I took priority for, and it just happened on me. And then it's here I am, but this is the old me. This was the me. And honestly, this is something I don't tell most people. This is the me behind the little girl that was hiding inside of my mind, afraid of the rapist. Ah. I, I went through some deep med meditation and I saw this young girl. It was me. And I talked to her in my meditation and said, hey, you don't need to protect me anymore. I'm, I'm a big girl now. I can protect you. And once I did that, that 180 pound other me left. Yes. No longer yes. necessary. She didn't have to protect me anymore. So that, that's where my, my journey comes in. It's a mind thing. I was holding on to a lot of pain and I let it go. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that goes right back to what we were talking about earlier. Which direction are you looking? You're looking for health. You're looking for the direction of readjusting yourselves. You're looking to be the big girl to protect people. You're looking to step into your power. And so it is. That's beautiful. Mind is an amazing place. Yes. Oh my goodness, it is. I also want to circle back to something that you said, because again, it was something that I resonate with so strongly. I refuse to be torn down by him. I love that because in my own experience with my own infidelity journey, there was a lot of time where I spent feeling sorry for myself and the victim and how could he do this to me and how could all of those women do this to me and how could, just like you said, God do this to me, life do this to me. And my catalyst, my shift as well was where I thought, you know what, they've taken away a lot they're not going to take away any more. Yes. Done. <laughs> but you pulled me to a shell. I'm, that's enough. I own me now. Let me rebuild. Go away. Yes. Yes. And that's powerful and that's beautiful. And here's my question, because you have had to have hit that stage, I'm guessing, several different times. And I know you work with other, other people to help pull them through this. I don't think that's a phase you can fake. I don't think you can just tell somebody, <laughs> you know, get to this point and they'll say, okay, I'm just going to get to this point. I think it's a shift that happens inside where kind of a combination of rage and passion, uh, sacred rage, not I'm going to kill somebody rage, <laughs> but passion, sacred rage, righteous anger, where all of that kind of coalesces and that shift happens. Do you know any tips or tricks or do you have any insights on how to help somebody come to that point authentically so they can move to the next level? Well, it's not a one tip kind of thing. It's a gradual thing. It's really difficult to get to. But what really the, the feeling that comes from it is a, a feeling of peace that I love me with my flaws and I'm good because these flaws are not flaws. These flaws are my gifts and I need to use them so that I can become the better version of me. Um, and we usually, we come to that because what happens is people that come to me and they're, they're working in their business and they're, they feel like this isn't good enough. Like, no, that good enough, that part of you that keeps coming up, you need to redirect it because that's the gift you bring to the world. No, you're not going to pigeonhole and fit into everybody else's pegs. Okay. You aren't that peg for that hole. You are so unique that that one thing you consider a flaw is what you need to be putting into everything you do, so that you will separate yourself from everyone else as you. So yes, there is no one trick kind of thing, but it's a feeling of, I accept me as who I am and who and what I am and what I'm going to do. And you're just comfortable in your skin again. And you stop worrying about what people are saying. And that, that's the piece of it. When you stop worrying about what other people think, because you're so comfortable with who you are, they can say anything they want. Yes. Yes. I agree fully. <laughs> and I like how you said it's a process. And I want to emphasize that to the listeners too. It is a process. And for me, there were days I think, I've got this. 
he did this to me and she did this to me and they did this to me and I don't care. I'm beautiful. I'm young enough, pretty enough, strong enough, smart enough, a good enough wife, a good enough mom. I, I'm fine. I'm great. I'm on it. And I would do all of this great empowered stuff. And two days later, I'd be a crumbled mess on the floor. <laughs> Welcome to humanity. Well, and, and that's what I, one of the quotes I use is a Byron Katie. I always tell my clients this, there's three types of control in this world. There's my control. There are these other person's control. And then there's God and the universe's control. When you feel like you're, everything's going out of haywire and you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, stop. What are you trying to control? The only thing you can control is you. So yes, he may have done bad things and she and she and she or they and whatever, but you can't control them. That's their world. That's their problem. Yes. How do I handle what's happening to me? Okay, well, I'm not going to lose sleep about this because... I can't control him. I can't control her. I can't control the environment. I can't control, but I will control what I can in my world and the people I can help in my world. And I can adjust from there. And that way you don't feel like you falling down, you know, the rabbit hole, you know, Alice's wet rabbit hole. Because when you're looking at the world and you want to fix everything, you won't. Yeah. This is the only thing you can do here, your head, your heart. And that's where I always bring my clients back to is what, wait, stop. Stop. Where are you? Who are you? Okay. Just remember, remember who you are. Yeah. Control you. Yeah. So simple, so powerful, and so difficult to remember, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it's a process. Like I said, it's a process. It is a process. Okay. So let's go back to your journey. You, and I, I'm using air quotes, got over the rape because you don't just get over a rape no, no. <laughs> ever. But you've, you've moved through that. You have this life. Things are going, going well. And then this car accident happens. Let's talk a little bit more about that and the traumatic brain injury, because that's objectively one of those things that urge changes the direction of a person's life. It changed me traumatically, dramatically and traumatically. See, one of the things that happens when bad things happen in your life is your brain has this wonderful way of putting up walls to make you forget. When I had that car accident, it knocked all my walls down all at once. So all of those traumas you've had in your life that you forgot, they all hit me all at the exact same time. And so when I would go through rages and just forgetfulness and I would forget where I was or who people were in front of me. And then I would get really angry and then I get really depressed. I was like this, this crazy seesaw. And they're like, um, you have PTSD. And so they brought me in and I'm working with the Wounded Warrior Center in, at Fort Carson in Colorado. And they're like, your PTSD isn't your car accident. Your PTSD is several other things. And so they started digging into my mind. And that's where we brought up more of the rape because I forgot a lot of it. Um, and then they brought up some things that happened in my childhood. I mean, so there was a lot of things that happened. It wasn't the car accident that caused the PTSD. And so that car accident, although every trauma in my entire life hit me all at the same time, which is pretty painful uh -huh. and traumatic for everything, uh, it's honestly the best thing that could have happened to me because if I had to address everything that happened to me through my lifetime at 50, what, at 40, 46, 47 years old, I would still be processing it right now at 52. Yeah. It oh, yeah. a giant wall. 
So I had to address it all at the same time. And I think that's where, well, not think, I know, that's where I came up with a lot of the things I do now. I, I punished myself all my life for the things I didn't do, for not finishing my engineering degree, for not being that A student, for not being the perfect little girl. You know, all of these things that I wasn't, I never let it go. And you, you move up as an adult and you, oh, I'm good. I, I'm, I'm, I don't have to be daddy's little girl. No, it was still there. And so things like that built up to have it all just hit me in a wall, like a, almost like driving down the road and every bug in your life hits your windshield at once. It was really hard to see. Yeah. But it really was the best thing to happen for me because it helped me realize that so many people hold on to the past. We hold on to things we cannot change. And I buried, hid, and dug holes and put them in my memory. Everyone does it. And there's things in your life that when you get to a certain part or you're wanting to do something with your life and your, your career or whatever, and you do, now maybe I'm not good enough. And really what happens is maybe I'm not good enough because in fifth grade, you know, I failed that spelling bee. Oh, you know, when I was 12, uh, Jimmy broke up with me and was dating my best friend. So now we aren't friends. So I, those are the kind of things that are holding us back from our business, from our lives, from being who we want to be. Or, oh, you know what? I would love to do burlesque. But, you know, when I was 15, I had this pledge on my side and all the other girls were thin. So, you know, I can't. Like that are holding us back. That's where I got it from. I was sitting in my mind recalling everything that ever happened in my life and realizing all the things I didn't allow myself to enjoy and didn't allow myself to go through because I didn't want to get hurt or be embarrassed or be laughed at. All this nonsense. Yeah. And so I promised God and the universe that when I came out of this, if you gave me back my voice, give me back my mind, I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk and I'm going to wake people up as I go because I don't want anyone else to have to practically die to learn what I learned. I came out of it because I need to help other people learn to live while they still can and enjoy it because life is just too beautiful to waste. Yeah, it really is. What a gift (laughs) and and what a a horror at the same time. And I'm a huge proponent of you do have to feel things to heal it. We have to charge right into our shadow. We have to charge right into our pain because half the time, more than half the time, the thing that we're afraid of isn't as scary once we actually do it as it is in our mind. (laughs) We have great imaginations. Oh, it's just amazing. Yeah. And when you were talking about the walls that you had built up, we all, that's a psychological phenomenon. We're organisms. We protect ourselves. We do it. But it's so interesting because we're building it up at some point, all of us, and it doesn't have to be a car accident, but at some point, all of us will have that thing that knocks all of those down and where all of that pain is going to bubble up. And I don't know about you and I don't know about all you listeners, but I think I'd rather feel some of it along the way and have a bad hour or a bad day than have it all at the same time. Say a bad, bad two and a half years is not fun. Trust me. No, no, it's not. Okay. So with your traumatic brain injury, I I also find this so fascinating just on a universal level, you know, what, how the universe scripted this whole (laughs) process for you. 
you were trapped in your head and you couldn't move your body. So all you could do is process and feel and think. How did emotion come through you? Were you able to cry or, or, or laugh or? I could cheer up. But I, my brain, my left. So I'm missing my frontal lobe over my left ear, the back of my head that messes with my eyes and my two hemispheres disconnected. So although I was feeling things, my body couldn't react because the other side of my brain wasn't connected to it. They wow. weren't communicating. So I was literally just stuck. Now, what's crazy about it is first thing in the morning, I could talk. Not well, but I could talk. I could talk to about 12 o'clock. I could say things like cylinder, liquid, uh, clip, paper. I could not say paper clip or glass of water, but my husband learned what I was trying to say. My, my children learned what I was trying to say. And then around noon, it was like just me trying to talk would short circuit me and then I would just stop again. It was horrid from the little bit that I remember because to me, it was only like a month. It wasn't so later I found out it was like 18 months, two years. And I don't remember it because time was flying. My husband calls me Dory from the um, Finding Nemo. <laughs> yes, perfect yeah. example. Because I forget a lot. And then there's some things I never forget. So it's really bizarre how my brain works. But it was really hard to be trapped and be so cognizant and see the world moving around you and not being able to do anything. I sat with my hand in a thing of, of a, you know, magic sand where you yes. can squish it and it stays. Yes. That's what I Magic sand. I couldn't watch TV because the way the damage to my eyes, I couldn't watch TV because my eyes can see all the light and everything that makes a picture. I see it separately. So it would, it would make me pass out. So I would just sit there with my hands in sand, my hand in sand and listening to calm music. So the other thing that people don't realize is music messes with your mind. And if you listen to erotic music, your mind goes erratic. If you listen to soft music, your brain softens down. I was listening to a lot of you know, opera and really soft music and the lights had to be low. So I was kind of basically in a cocoon with my hand in sand. Wow. Talk yeah. about being present, you uh -huh. know? Uh-huh. <laughs> and the discomfort and the inability that so many people have to just be present with two breaths, mm -hmm. you know, let alone three minutes of meditation or five minutes of meditation or an hour of meditation, but right, two years, right, two years of meditation. <laughs> Therefore, like when COVID hit, I was telling people, welcome to my world. It's survivable. Oh, I don't want to be locked in my house. Older. I said, try being locked in your head. You can make it through this. This is the time to process everything you've been running around so fast that you haven't been able to process. Get quiet. Learn why you don't want to be alone with yourself. Because boy, I wrote a whole book about why I didn't want to be alone with myself when I was trapped in my head. It's, it's a scary place, but it's a place we all need to go to someday. Yes. Yes. So do you recommend that listeners who are listening to this and who are thinking, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I don't want to be alone with myself. I'm not good being present. I'm not. How can they begin? How can they begin this process? How can they do just a little bit of what you did? How they can reap some of the benefits without 
a catastrophic head injury. <laughs> Please, let's not do that. Baby steps. I believe everything needs to be in baby steps, unless you're brave enough to jump and then you might fall backwards. But baby steps always work because you don't realize how fast you're going if you're taking one step every day. So I always suggest to people to find something online. There are so many meditation apps and they don't have to only they don't even have to be meditation apps. Um, the one I know I found that I thought was awesome was called Calm, C-A-L-M. Yes. There's one where a woman is talking. It's like maybe seven minutes long. It's a good way to practice because she has a really nice voice and she has you listen to one of the words that she's talking about that day. And you listen for seven minutes. But while you're listening, she, she helps you unwind everything that's in your head. And then if you want to advance from that, you go to a story. And at night, you can listen to a story. My first story that I listened to on that thing was Matthew McConaughey. That man has a great voice. And yeah. so listen to him tell a story and it, it stops you from processing everything. You just focus on the voice. And when you get used to listening to just the voice, one of those days, just take the voice out, listen to just rain falling or just the wind and focus on the shift of the wind as it's going through. It's, it's a gradual thing to do, but I would say start with an app that will help you calm down for seven minutes. Okay. That's beautiful. And that makes sense because we're used to listening to language. So we can do the voice. That is a perfect first step. Thank you for that. So many people do. I can't meditate. When I get quiet, I, all the voices go through my head. Yeah. Your own voices. Concentrate on someone else's. Get a guided meditation. And the reason I say calm is it's not really a meditation. She's just focusing on a word. Uh-huh. Joy. Joy is la 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 where you can find joy. It's just the most simple thing she's talking about. Yeah. It keeps you focused on just her very soothing voice. Yeah. Love her. And focus. You know, there's that thing again. What are you focusing on? What is that strength that you can use to grab on to pull yourself up? Or what is it that you lack? Which direction are you facing? Are you healing? Are you shifting those cells? Are you processing trauma? Or are you sinking? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so as you came out of this brain injury, as you were starting to heal, that's a whole mountain to climb as well. Get still- yeah, yeah. How, how do you process that? Is that one step as a time as well? Or how do you stay motivated? Because that's a lot. I'm guessing you had to walk and talk and eat and like relearn so much. I had to learn a lot of things again, but what really, it wasn't, it was more of a hit and miss. I had to learn my limits because when I was able to start walking and talking again, I thought charge and I started going really fast. Then I'd get really dizzy. And then I would start forgetting my family and my doc, my neurologist would say, you overdid it again. I overdid what? I thought my brain was healed. No, your brain has rewired. It's not healed. You must let your body adjust to the newness of everything you're doing. So while I'm talking, I'm doing this. Your brain is processing. Mine is 
recirculating to make my hand do this. So everything I do, my brain is taking, you know, quadruple the speed than it would normally do. So like the past several months, I had to turn off my TV show. I have a TV show called Mental Shift out of the Philippines. I'm in the middle of a live show and right at the 30 minute mark, I fall over. The staff behind the scene sees me fall over. And before they're writing me doing, are you okay? I can't read the words. So I call down to my husband and I say, help. He comes back, helps me sit up and he tells them, hey, Michelle just fell over. And they're like, can we, do we stop the show? I do, no, I'll just focus on the stop. And so I told my guest, I'm not here. So I'll say a couple of words, you just start talking. And so I faked it through the last 30 minutes of my show because it's a live show, international, you know? So I get through this and when we get off, I said, um, I overdid it. And so we had to talk about what, I, what my life was doing. Well, for COVID, people need inspiration. People needed me. So I did turn off. I broke my own rule. So although I was taking my weekends off and going to my cabin and sitting out there in the peace, during the week, I was on phone calls from 6 a.m. in India to 11 p.m. Philippines. So I was doing this every day, just racking my brain. My brain stopped. And it was like, oh, like February, March, when they started lifting up the COVID stuff, it was like my brain went, and the world doesn't need you anymore. We're shutting off now. Poof. And I've been off the air for like three months. I'm just now starting again. And well, first I started in. Okay. But know your limits. That's what my whole process is now with my brain injury and my breast cancer is I have to know what sign does my body give me when it's tired? What does, what does my brain, what's the sign when my brain's giving out? I realize, oh, when I see that spot, it's almost like a, like a migraine's about to happen. I better yeah. stop. Or, oh, my, my ankle twitches. Oh, my body wants to stop. So learn your body of when it's doing things to tell you, I'm done. You need to take a break. And what I do is I schedule all my breaks. So I just, I'm not going to break that anymore. I've learned that lesson. That's a valuable lesson because it's so egocentric, really, for us to think I can push through and do it. Yeah. The world needs me. No. Yes. No, yeah. it's okay. And I learned that as a mother, I can do it for my kids. I can do it for my kids. I can do it for my kids. And then I hit adrenal fatigue and I couldn't stand up. (laughs) I would have been better off in the long run pacing and taking care of me and modeling that. That's an important lesson to model. Yes. And as I tell my clients and everyone I speak to, you need to know your limits. And you need to stick to them. You need to schedule those kind of times off in your brain and your week because only you can control you. Don't apologize for taking time for you. As a mother, as a, as a father, as anyone who gives, you must fill your picture first because what you're doing is you're trying to pull, pour into other people with an empty picture. You've got to take care of you first. Whatever feeds your soul, you must do that first. I promise you, if you, you are not selfish. That's another thing I had to get over. You are not selfish for taking care of yourself first. Yes. Because when you take care of yourself, you can give tenfold of what the normal you would have given. Yes. And listeners, I want to point this out. Michelle is incredible. 
She's got a TV show. She's written books. She's done the TEDx. She's she's an international speaker. She works with women all over the world. The sheer volume of things that she has done, the volume of good that she's created, the lives that she has changed is enormous. And if you're sitting there thinking, I can't do it. I don't have time. I have to work my fingers to the bone. I have to do this. Oh no, 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 no. If she can literally take two years out of her life, (laughs) being in somewhat of a coma, if she can take all of this time away to heal her body and to shift the frequency of herself, if she can do all of this and continue to have very healthy boundaries, take very good care of herself, you can too. This is, this is life in action. Watch her. <laughs> About to say, you have to be very intentional. I mean, one of the things I did with my TEDx, people are like, you did a TEDx? I thought you had a memory like Dory. Yeah, I do have a memory like Dory. But I went out there and did it because I knew from my heart there was something I had to say. My TEDx, I declared to the world that I would live my life full of intention. I would stop waiting for a special day to wear my diamonds, a special moment to pull out the fine china. I was going to live every day like it was going to be my last. No, I'm not willy-nilly going crazy, but I am enjoying every moment. I'm not saying, well, when I drop 20 pounds, then I'm going to go to Hawaii. Well, when I do this, then I'm getting, no, I'm not putting stipulations on my happiness. I'm going to enjoy it now and be happy while I do it. <laughs> yes. As yourself for being happy. Yeah. Be yeah. Happy. Yeah. Th- there's a lot in that. I feel like we could probably talk six hours on that. But for people who follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you might notice I just got back from Mexico yes. and we had, yes, an amazing trip. And there were some incredible things that happened and some real highs. And there were some real lows. There were some really bad, scary, expensive things that happened. And as you talk about that intention, as you talk about purpose and not limiting your happiness, my mind was going to that because it's not really about what happens to you. Great things happened, bad things happened, and we chose to see the adventure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah to have fun with it. And same thing with you with that car accident with the, with the breast cancer. Those are some bad things, but you really made them positive and not in a false positive. Like it's all great. Yeah. I'm not toxic positivity going here. No, no, no. No. Toxic no. And that is so important to do. And I just want to take a moment and say, I honor you for all of that. I honor you for the realness around that. I honor you for taking the breaks and for creating that intention and for living yourself, your life fully and being in your purpose. And like you said, living each day, like it's your last, isn't about skydiving and spending all your money and getting drunk (laughs) moment. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's powerful. I want to talk a little bit more about your purpose because we've talked about your purpose and finding your purpose and living your purpose and promising God that you will walk along waking people up. Share more about your purpose. Wow. It's what I've been running from all my life. So I tell my clients that what's the one thing you used to get in trouble for as a child? What was that? What did you get put in the corner for in elementary school? 
I was always in trouble for talking, not just talking, fixing fights. Whenever people were fighting, I would stand between them and do, why are you doing this? What, what did they do? Or what did she do? Or what did, I was always compromising between people. And I was always the one who would get in trouble because I'd be in the middle of the fight. But it, what it was is I was stopping it. And so what I've been running for, because you know, people are like, you know, you need to shut up, you talk too much, or you know, get out of the way, you talk too much, or get off that stage, you know, other people need. So I was always running from talking because I thought maybe I'm not supposed to do this, but I kept finding myself there. And even when I ran political campaigns, I would write speeches for campaigns and I'd step away because I'm not supposed to be up there. I'm supposed to let them do it. I'm just writing for them. Huh. But when the brain injury happened, I was told I'm supposed to be there. I, it, I could feel it. I'm supposed to be there where I keep avoiding. So when I talk to my clients and I talk to people on from the stage, what do you get in trouble? What did you get in trouble for? What did people say you did too much of, but you naturally did? That's where your purpose lies. So it's not just that. So with me, it's not just talking. It's talking about the things I've made it through because not a lot of people make it through the things I've made it through. No. And so it's like, so I need to shine that light to show people I'm willing to talk about the painful things. I'm willing to share that. You don't have to share it if you don't want to. That may not be where your purpose is. That may not be where your power is, but let me help you. Let me be the beacon of light so you can see through your darkness where your light is. My purpose in life is to shine light on other people so they can see where they shine. Yes. I don't think like your average person. I think completely out of the box like there never has been a box. So when I'm talking to someone, I see something in them that no one else has seen. And I do that. Now let's build on that. Okay, now let's build on that. There it is. And they do, oh, it's always been there. That's what I love to do. I do exactly. It's what you used to get in trouble for. But we've buried it for buried it throughout our lives that we aren't good enough, or more likely, we care so much about it that we don't want to fail, so we never go towards it. So my, my whole purpose is, what are you afraid of? Let's walk towards it. Yeah. And let's find where your purpose lies in what you fear. Because what you fear is what you don't want to fail in. What you don't want to fail in is your purpose. That's so powerful. <laughs> you a brain injury, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, again, it's, it's, it's so simple. It's so clear. It's so obvious. And it's so powerful. But it's definitely needed to be guided through because it's something we shut off from. Every time it comes up, we do, oh no, 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 no. And so you do need a gentle guiding through it to get to it. But once you're there, people do, oh, oh. I, used to pretend, I used to pretend that when I was a kid. Exactly. Yeah. It's what you were meant to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The permission that you gave listeners when you said to, you're the one that can talk about it, that might not be for them too. That's beautiful because I think sometimes people think that they do have to be the one on stage and they don't want to be. And yeah. if you want, yeah, if you want to be great and if you don't want to be great. And similarly, when I went through my infidelity journey and I realized, I looked at statistics Statistics show that 70% of U.S. relationships face some sort of infidelity incident. 70%? Are you kidding? That's everybody. Nobody talks about that. 
Nobody hides. I was told you don't want to talk about that. People are going to think you're frigid. People are going to think you're ugly. People are going to think you're a bad wife. You're a bad mom. You don't want to talk about that. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. If 70% of relationships have some sort of infidelity and we're not talking about it and we think it's this thing and it's really this thing and it's not this and it's this, I think I need to talk about that because if I would have known this earlier, it would have helped me. And just like you, when you said, I'm waking people up along the way, I'm going to talk about it. If it happens to you and you don't want to talk about it, fine, but I'm talking about it. And if you want to judge me, I think that's your problem, not my problem. <laughs> exactly. Remember, three types of control in this world by Byron Katie. Yeah. Other person's in God. Stay out of my business. I'm going to talk about what I need to talk about because this is what my calling is. That's what you're talking about. It's your calling. This experience didn't happen to punish you. This experience happened so that you could help enlighten other people who can't, who, who, who are trapped in this, who don't know how to move from the next level, who have lost who they are because they put everything in that one relationship and thought they were going to grow old with this person to be on a porch swing at yeah. 80 or 90. And when that falls apart, the whole world falls apart. And so it's like, we need people like you to talk about this because it's all hush hush. And then when it does happen, we, oh, Oh, poor Susie. She's just falling apart. No, no, no. And, and, and that's not how it's supposed to be. So I am so glad that you found your purpose and you speak about it because whenever people come out and say, you shouldn't, my first thought is, oh, really? Shouldn't I? Watch me. <laughs> Watch me. Yeah. Don't tell me what not to do because I'm almost guaranteed you're going to be directing me to where I'm going to go. Yes. Yes. And so, yes. We have to talk about the things that people don't want to talk about. That's why we have problems now. There's too much hush going on. Yes. And just like you were saying at the beginning of the show with the rape and nobody there to help you, why aren't the neighbors calling the police? Why isn't, aren't the, isn't the dispatcher helping? Why isn't your mom helping? They were probably in a little bit of fear. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle this. So I'm just going to shame her. Yeah. And then and with me, I found out later my, my mother was going through her own trauma. So here I was for years being so upset with my own mother. And then later on as an adult, oh, she was in a very unhappy marriage. She didn't, she spoke from where she was from, you know? And so that's the other thing about life. When you're looking at people hurting you and things like that, you have to look back and realize they're coming from their own space. So like my rapist, I forgave him. I don't want to ever want to meet him again, but I forgave him for the torture he gave me. But I forgave him because the day he came back and tried to rape me again, uh, he raped me for nine months, but he came back 30 days later, tried to rape me again. And I put the gun under my chin and I said, kill me. I'd rather die than you touch me again. He fell to his knees crying. And he said, I just want you to love me. Why won't you love me? Why can't you love me? And I, I, I forgave him in that moment. And I thought, what did he see that he thought that was love? I mean, he was a kid like me. He was like 19, 20. So he was a kid like me and he thought that was love. Oh my God, what did he see happen to his mother? You see, so that's where my brain went was, he was my monster. Yes. Someone else was his monster. And so when I go out and I speak, well, one of the first places I started speaking were at women's shelters. Because I would say, we need to stop this chain. 
what you allow your children to see, your daughters learn how to be treated and your sons learn what to do. So don't tolerate it. And so it all starts with how we perceive other people. And if we treat them all like we truly want someone to love our own, I won't even say ourselves, our own children. We love our children more than we love ourselves. So your own flesh and blood, you can stop so much pain and so much heartache. Remember, people are coming from their own perspective. Remember, perspective is everything. It may be hurting you, but in their minds, it's justified and they don't see it. And it's not our place to try to force them to remember what they're doing. <laughs> That's what, yeah, it's what their brain is. It's where they are. Yeah, it's, it's that, sad. Yeah, control thing again, just going right back to that. One of my favorite quotes getting through life, but especially my experience is hurt people, hurt people. And yeah. it's not to just be like, oh, hurt people, hurt people. It's all okay. But it's that perspective of understanding. It's not something that I did wrong. I didn't bring this on myself. So I like how you put it. Somebody else was their monster. And we can have compassion for that. Compassion and understanding. We can forgive for us. We don't have to accept it at <laughs> all. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. But understand where they are coming from a different place. And I feel bad. I feel bad for you. But that's what you need to deal with. You know, that kind of thing. And walk away. Yeah. Because of control. You can't control them. No. And that's why it's so powerful with something like what, what, what you're doing going out and speaking and helping women pull up all that crap and being themselves, own who they are at the core. Because when you own you, it doesn't matter what happens around you. You own you. And, and that's what my breast cancer helped me to, to you know, discover. I am me. When they took my breast, I mean, they gave me my, my three months to live and we need to take your breast. You know, I'm like, take them, get that cancer off of me. Fine. But after they took my breast, I went, am I a woman? Yeah. I mean, my identity was with my body and I was very voluptuous, you know? So it was like, who am I? And then as the cancer moved through and they were taking organs out of me and they did a hysterectomy and they, they, they just started taking all these body parts out of me. I went, am I human? And so I had to come back to the fact is I am at the core, Michelle, I am me. I am a light that nothing can dull out unless I choose to dull it out. It does not matter what my outside looks like. I am me. And so that's what breast cancer helped me learn. But I don't care what happens around me. I own me. Mm-hmm. And that's where the power lies. And that's where I loved when I met you and I found out you did burlesque. It was that shedding of all those insecurities and all those things. I need this to cover me up and I need this. No, you don't. You are you and you're beautiful as you are, except you and only except you. Doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Love comes from you. And the more you love yourself, the more love comes back to you. So start with you first. Beautiful. Michelle, it has been such a joy and such an honor. Your energy is incredible. You emanate such power, such joy, such presence. And I know that you have bing, bing, bing slapped awake many people from this podcast (laughs) and you have brought me a lot of joy today. And I know you have brought our listeners a lot of joy as well. 
Where can people learn more about you and your programs and listen to your TEDx? Where can they just get some more Michelle magic? Michelle magic. I'm on every social media, but the easiest way to find me, cause I have a brain injury. So I make it very simple. Go to my website. It's my name michellemoross.com. You can find the links to all social media. You find links to my podcast, my TV show. Uh, I mean, everything. Yeah. My video audio books. I mean, yeah, everything is all on that site. Perfect. And I will with me if they want to come and talk to me, it's called book Michelle and just go on to a 15, 15 minute consult and just say, Hey, I want to talk to you for a little bit. I saw you on, on Laura's show. Yeah. And, and I, and I, yeah, I highly recommend talking to Michelle. She and I met and we were just kind of just talking, just sharing stuff. And she did that thing that she talked about earlier. She looked at me and she was just like, your next book is going to be called this. And this is what you need to do. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm telling you, I see things. I don't know why, but I do. Yes, she does. And I will put all of the information in the show notes, um, both on the on the website and all of my stuff. So you can get a hold of Michelle wherever you are art. Michelle, thank you again. Listeners, enjoy. Have the most fantastic week. And whatever happens in your world, whatever has happened in your world, strip down, shine. Let those flaws become your strength. Have an amazing week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt all that you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com. 